The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We live in a fast-paced, hectic world where it is easy to feel overwhelmed, stressed, and out of control. How do you manage all the competing pressures without losing your sense of yourself? How do you stay focused enough to not only plot a path, but follow it? Welcome to Master Your Life, a show that offers inspiration, insight, and intelligence, as well as success stories for many walks of life that can show you how you can control your own destiny. Our knowledgeable and entertaining hosts and their guests give practical advice that you can use every day in the quest to master your life. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Welcome to Master Your Life, the show of insight, intelligence, and inspiration, where we ask you to consider who is it that you are right now and who is it that you want to be. I am host Leah Mattinson, and I'm joined, as usual, by my wonderful co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin. Howard, how are you doing this week? How's your brain? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm not sure about my brain. I think... um, (laughs) I have too much beta activity this week, and if our listeners are wondering what the heck that is, um, it's a type of brainwave that is associated with a lot of focus concentration um, and actually even with stress and anxiety. And our guest today can tell us all about that. It's a great guest we've had on before, a man who is really big into um, the neurofeedback and brain mapping industry. Dave Siva, welcome, Dave. How are you? Hi. Hi, Howard. Hi, Leah. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you very much. Fantastic. So today we're really curious or interested in talking uh, to you about your experience in uh, just maybe you could give the the listenership a where, where you came from, the Reader's Digest version, and they can pop back into a previous episode with you to get the really deep version. And then uh, kind of your interest in concussion and trauma. Sure. Well, I got into this whole field through electronics engineering. That's, that's what I do. <clears throat> and uh, back in the 80s, uh, I was hired by the University of Alberta to design a research lab to treat TMJ dysfunction or temporomandibular joint. People who clench their jaws and their teeth and they grind their teeth and they have all this muscle pain and stuff like this. And we were building this really advanced lab so we could make splints for people to put in their mouth to sort of balance their bite out. And uh, while I was there, I started interviewing uh, hundreds, actually 500 of our patients, and discovered almost all of them were wives of oil workers. <clears throat> and, mm-hmm. and in the 80s, oil dropped down as low as $12 a barrel. And, wow. of course, Edmonton being a big, Alberta being a big oil province, um, uh, everybody was worried about getting laid off and so on. And so what we saw is that increase in our number of arguments with spouse and financial worries precipitated jaw pain by three to six months. Uh, so I, I, and I always figured there was an emotional connection to jaw tension. And, uh, 
And so this really got me, what's the word, on board with that. And then I got involved in psychology, uh, uh, got involved in biofeedback, all that kind of stuff. Um, 1988, OPEC put an embargo on oil. The price of oil started going up, and you saw very few more people who had uh, TMJ pain because the stress wasn't there. Meanwhile, uh, an instructor in performing arts asked me to design. Uh, at that, I should mention, at that point already, I was designing electrostimulators, and I was selling them to dentists to relax the jaw and muscles in the back and neck and so on. Uh, and then in 1984, an instructor in performing arts asked me to design what I thought was a very crazy light and sound machine with blinking lights in the eyes and pulsing sounds and headphones <laughs> to help drive brain waves to put his act, help get his acting, his performing arts students out of stage fright. <clears throat> so I built him this, this wan-fangled machine and never expecting anything much to come of it because to me it looked like a new age gimmick. And he said it was working great. Meanwhile, I was dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety myself, and I started using it on myself. And boy, did it get me through some tough days. Then I started putting it on our TMJ patients, and uh, man, we helped some of them greatly. Then we did a study in 88. Uh, we took our, wor- our, most, our worst TMJ patients that we had, and they were, these people had pain, severe pain for 10 years, chronic pain for 10 years or more. And I put them on, uh, on the light and sound, or what we call audio-visual entrainment, in the alpha wave band. And at about six minutes, their muscles were so relaxed and their hands were warming, which is a very good sign. That's, hand warming is associated with deep relaxation and meditation. And they were pain-free at the end of 15 minutes when we turned the device off. And so we knew we were onto something pretty big. At the time, we only knew it would be treated tension and stress and anxiety, and it was you know, great for relaxation. <clears throat> but then other studies started merging using different frequencies, uh, beta, different forms of beta, one called sensory motor rhythm, which is like a low beta, then other forms of beta, and they're using it for attention deficit disorder. Then we started using it on college students. Then we started using it on um, uh, seniors, and we have, we've had great results with seniors. Our latest study... Uh, the mean age of the seniors, or the average age of the seniors, was 68 years of age. And we, and the, the student who did the study out of California also looked at their, their, their dominant, what they call peak alpha frequencies, which is the sign of how your brain is operating. And with age, the brain slows down. Well, one month of using the audiovisual entrainment off of the David Delight system, uh, their brains had sped up to roughly the same age as a 50-year-old. So basically, 68-year-olds became uh, 15 to 20 years younger just by using uh, light and sound stimulation. And uh, we've done other studies, of course, uh, all kinds of things, worry with college students as well, and uh, pain. But recently, I've I've been really trying to wrap my head around concussion. And we had an Alzheimer's study in one of our senior studies, there was an Alzheimer's patient who did really well. Uh, it stopped the progression of her Alzheimer's from the very first use, and it actually reversed it some. And that actually ties into concussions, believe it or not. And we've been trying to wrap our head around concussion for some time. Uh, and finally, I connected all the dots uh, a year ago and wrote up a big 55-page study, which is going to be, uh, I'll be submitting to PLOS One shortly here, um, 
looking at, believe, uh, believe it or not, an anorexic, an alcoholic, and a lady who, who uh, five years post-car accident, still unemployed, and obsessive-compulsive over all kinds of health issues. Um, all of them showed the brain, same brain signature. And not only that, but the lady and this alcoholic both had serious head injuries. The anorexic got her head injury from a fever. And they all had the same signatures. And now that's really interesting. So what I'm proposing is that what happens is when the brain gets knocked out of commission, even though these neurons are still good, and that's what's interesting, um, they call this effect a diffuse axonal injury. And what that means is the connection between your neurons and the thalamus. And that connection is what makes your alpha waves. As soon as we close our eyes and we relax or we're meditating, we make a lot of alpha waves. It's this connection that makes them. But during injuries and fevers, the connection gets broken. It doesn't actually mean it's damaged. And most of the time, doctors cannot see any damage on an MRI. What it means is these neurons got taken offline, but they're still sitting there. They're still like the phones in all the homes are still working. They're just not being dialed. And uh, discovered that audiovisual entrainment will kickstart these neurons back online and takes about 15 minutes, and suddenly you see the whole brain. Alpha spindles are going like crazy. The brain kicks in. People fall asleep because when you're alpha de deficient, you can't sleep. So these people have had sleep disorders often for years, you know, since their injuries. They can't sleep. Well, now they fall completely asleep in my chair. That night they sleep 10 to 12 hours. And uh, so anyway... That's the scoop, and it all ties into Alzheimer's as well, believe it or not, which I'm happy to talk about more. I'll let you talk for a bit. Okay, so, so one of the things that people need to understand, because I think perhaps many of our listeners won't understand this, this is a, actually a very simple-to-use device that um, sends light um, through flashing glasses um, of a certain frequency and sound of a certain frequency and the brain and so it's you just sit in a chair with this arm very relaxing and the brain will track to those frequencies so this basically gives you a very simple way of turning up the or turning down the electrical activity in the brain that's right, Dave, isn't it? I mean, that's a simpler way of looking at it, what the device actually is. Yeah, that's a, that's right. a part of it. There's several aspects mm. to entrainment that sure. um, in, in the almost since entrainment was discovered in 1934, everybody has used a frequency model that, yeah, you stimulate the brain at a frequency mm. and the brain will respond at that frequency. But since then, we've been finding that it releases nitric oxide. It, re it increases cerebral blood flow. It generates uh, beneficial neurotransmitters like serotonin and endorphins. Um, it puts people in, it, sh it shuts off chatter, which is why it's so good for trauma, and stops that chattery brain from happening. Um, and more recently, there's, there's what I would call bizarre things or unexplainable things that, that are, you wouldn't think were just, that, that aren't even connected to neurons. It's stimulating glia for instance, uh, and other brain structures that we didn't expect in the past. So, Dave, are you then saying that it, it's like this kind of can heal or help to open up um, the pathways or heal the pathways that have been closed for things that have been 
like catastrophic emotional traumas, cumulative physical traumas, cumulative emotional trauma. Um, and, and because that, I think, is most of the population or 80% of the population has probably had one form or another of trauma. Yes, it actually does two, kind of two things. One is, yes, on a psychological level, it really helps deal with trauma, particularly emotional trauma, and it shuts down that racy head. Uh, and it, it emulates meditation in many ways. Um, as you know, when meditators who are good at meditating uh, are much more emotionally stable than non-meditators and uh, generally sharper, more cognitive, and so on. But the other thing is, is traumas cause all kinds of neurological effects, whether it's an emotional trauma or whether it's a head trauma or a fever, um, it causes all kinds of neurological effects to spin in the brain, partly through neuroplasticity and partly through shutting down of circuits, in which case there's a cascading of effects that occur from that. Um, and, um, and it can jumpstart all of that. And that's been our big surprise, is just how many things it can jumpstart that there's no known treatment for. Yeah, and I think uh, you're, you're right. The research is showing more and more effects of this, and I, I think it's, you know, it's easy to just focus on one thing, you know, like the frequencies, but as you say, there are cascading effects that we're just discovering that, that have major implications. In terms of... Um, trauma and head injury, what do you find? Uh, is there a specific pattern you find on a, on a brain map, for example, when you do a, a mapping of uh, EEG? Yes, there is. And I have all this documented on our website, actually. I have an article, that 55-page article is posted, and I show these three cases that are completely seeming completely different, and yet they're all the same. <clears throat> and... Uh, when you lose your cognitive ability and you lose emotional control, I propose that a hundred different things could spin from that. And who knows what it'll be. Uh, and everybody sort of has their own behavior that they'll spin to. But yes, one of the things that happens, of course, you, the circuit between the, the, the neurons in our cortex, and the neurons, are, of course, are on the skin of our cortex, basically. They make up the skin. They're about a uh, sixteenth of an inch thick. They communicate down to the thalamus, which is about two inches away, uh, deeper into the brain. And the thalamus, a couple of things with the thalamus. One is it's the sensory gatekeeper. All of our senses but smell are routed through the thalamus, and it's easy to activate the thalamus with light and sound stimulation. So, of course, we're using audiovisual stimulation to get into the cortex through the thalamus. Uh, the other thing is, is that... Like I say, it's, this is the loop that makes your alpha waves, and alpha waves are critical. Uh, that whole loop is critical for processing all the information we see in our eyes and hear in our ears and feel and you know, touch and uh, everything else except for smell. <clears throat> but it also, it also coordinates all the different regions of our brain to communicate in unison. So it would be like the conductor of an orchestra. Uh, and when you lose the thalamus, you lose your conductor, and then the orchestra is all playing as if you put earplugs in them, and they're all playing uh, out of tune and are out of sync with everybody, right. and, and, it, and the song sounds like a big mess. Uh, so the thalamus yeah. keeps the song sounding nice and keeps the orchestra playing, so there's uh, stuff that happens in a coordinated way when we're going about our day. So these loops get severed. 
uh, in a communication way. It doesn't mean necessarily that they're physically severed, but we think maybe that the dendrites are, are falling off. There's this expression called the neurons that fire together wire together, and the neurons that fire out of sync lose their link. And what I mm. propose right. is that <clears throat> during a fever or during a head injury, um, maybe even times of severe stress and severe cortisol levels uh, and inflammation, uh, these neurons all get taken offline, possibly part of, as part of the healing process and, and the inflammation process known as diaschesis. That's what uh, it's like, uh, neurologists call it. And these neurons get taken offline, but they don't show up on an MRI. Um, and it takes stimulation to uh, reboot them. Uh, recently, there was a study that came out where they were using ultrasonics, uh, having uh, different ultrasonic uh, transmitters at different angles targeting the thalamus. And when they bombarded it with, with ultrasonic noise, they were able to kickstart it. Um, a couple other studies have used implanted needle electrodes where they dramatically hit the thalamus with electrostim, and it can seem to kickstart it. But these are complex <laughs> uh, procedures, mm-hmm. and you don't want needles in your brain and all that stuff. But if you can just do it with simple flashing lights and pulsing sounds. But what we're finding, though, so anyway, yes, yeah, so people don't have an alpha wave. That's the first thing. They lose that alpha wave. And the alpha wave is, is important for relaxation. It's the first stage of sleep. If people can't make an alpha wave, they typically can't fall asleep, so they drink or smoke pot to get themselves to sleep. Right. Um, yeah. As a right. result so. of that, um, other things happen. Now, neurons, neurons love to talk. I mean, they, they love to send out pulses. That's what they do. And whether you encourage a neuron to send out a pulse or not, it will. And studies have shown that when they take uh, rat neurons and they just put them in a Petri dish, they will start to fire all by themselves at the one, one or two pulses per second, which is the delta range. And this is important because in the, there is a brain signature that is low alpha, high beta, and it's related to an anxiety condition. But it doesn't mean that the cortical or the thalamocortical loop has been cut. It, it's, a, it's an anxiety condition, which you see in a lot of people uh, who've had a, you know, a lot of stress. In this case, when this loop is cut, not only do we lose the alpha rhythm, but we see that in delta, the delta phase is a big mess. And I've got pictures of that on our, in my article because there's no conductor anymore, so nobody can hear the drummer. Nobody knows the beat of the song. So the different parts of the brain are just gener- are playing songs at their own, at their own beat. If you can understand that. It's, sure. it's, it's kind of like, let's say you go to a concert, and the band is playing a song, and a lot of you know rock and roll tunes that are around 120 beats a minute, which means you'd be clapping your hands at two claps per second, right? So you're clapping away to the song with the band, and, uh, and then when the song ends, uh, you applaud the band. Well, now when you applaud, so basically if you had a microphone hanging in the room and it was picking up everybody clapping to the beat of the music, you'd pick up two hertz or two cycles per second from everybody clapping to the beat. But when the song ends, everybody now is clapping. They, they're, they're clapping is desynchronized as they applaud the band. And everybody is still clapping at pretty much two claps a second when we applaud a band. We kind of clap at like 
two claps a second. But everybody now is disconnected, so there's a big roar in the audience. Right from the applaud, it's no longer a, a, a coordinated clap. And the brain is doing the same thing when you lose this connection. So delta phase now becomes a big mess because everybody's disconnected and they're freely clapping on their own, if you, or the neurons are freely firing on their own. So that is a, a, a real important distinction from a normal anxiety condition and a concussion is the delta phase is a big mess amongst the damaged areas and, of course, in relation to the part of the brain that still is functioning, you'll see big messes. <laughs> That's like big disconnects, disharmony uh, going on. So we've got to look for that. The, the other big, uh, another thing that happens, too, is beta phase becomes a mess in the process. I don't, I don't have to get into that. It's in my article. But in the past... Dave, can I interrupt you? We need to stop for a break and hold your thought. Uh, And then when we come back on the other side of Master Your Life, continue this thought and let's expand more for our listeners about these different waves and what you're talking about in terms of coordination. So when we come back on the other side of Master Your Life. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. 
That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm co-host Dr. Howard Rankin, along with my host, Leah Mattinson. Today, we are talking about the brain. Um, and specifically, we're talking with Dave Seaver, who is one of the really the pioneers in brain training um, and, and brain mapping. Uh, and we're talking about new new research and new developments in technology that are beginning to understand some of the things behind anxiety and specifically trauma and concussion. And Dave, in the first section, we were there at the end, you were talking about how basically the, the brain stops being sort of integrated and coordinated. And as a result, some of these things either go offline um, or get out of control. Have I understood that right? Kind of like, yeah, they become, they, they, they kind of turn into from an orchestra to maybe just a junior high school band banging away before the teacher arrives. <laughs> how bad that sounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's so what's happening, yes. So in all the chaos in the brain, which we can't see, <laughs> um, but it certainly uh, shows up in our day-to-day life. One of the, one of the areas that you uh, listed was somebody who maybe has an addiction to alcohol, but what would be the other behaviors or the symptoms be of all this chaos that's going on in the brain? Yes. Well, we say we lose the alpha rhythm. Delta phase is a mess. Uh, beta phase is a mess, but basically nothing is coordinating anymore. And, and we see things uh, that start to occur. Uh, basically, because the brain can't function on a high level, uh, and it's all disconnected, you see a lot of social problems. People can't read people's facial expression and their body language and their verbal intonation, and they really struggle socially, and they have a tendency to have a lot of social anxiety and eventually start becoming reclusive uh, because they just don't know how to, they just can't deal with social situations. Uh, driving their car, they will miss signs for turnoffs, for, you know, road signs. Uh, they might miss, uh, have real, might be real careful having to make sure they see all the traffic lights. Is it a green? Is it a red? But things that are fleeting, like, you know, tr- signs going by, speed signs, turn left, turn right, this, you know, signs that are going by us when we drive. Uh, they'll have a tendency to have to look two or three times before they notice the signs. And so they have a tendency to drive and miss turnoffs or miss speed postings and things like this uh, because of this. Uh, at work, they will struggle. Uh, uh, and also their sleep is really compromised because they're not making the alpha waves, which is the first stage of sleep. And so they have real sleep disorders, which is often why they're, they're, they're you know, smoking marijuana, they're drinking alcohol. And as we know, when people can't sleep, uh, they're, they're, they're pretty much train wrecks anyway on a cognitive and emotional level. It's so devastating if we don't sleep well. So that adds another factor into the whole mix. Um, so anyway, we need to get that alpha rhythm back. And to do that, we need to reestablish this thalamocortical loop. Uh, in the past, we would stimulate an alpha, which is usually about 10 flashes per second and 10 bump, 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 pulse tones per second because the alpha, a healthy alpha rhythm is at 10 cycles per second. And it didn't work very well. It worked some, but not very well. And then as we were 
discovering more and more what I would call enigmatic or unusual effects of entrainment as we were doing more research that didn't always follow the frequency model. Uh, we made some uh, amazing discoveries. Uh, we made a discovery that you could give someone, someone with ADHD, for instance, or fibromyalgia, and their, uh, and their brain is really slow. <clears throat> we could give them a slow frequency that technically you should not give them on a frequency model. But because the sh- uh, frequencies right around the Schumann resonance have a maximum impact at increasing cerebral blood flow, and low levels of cerebral blood flow are tied to all these little brainwave disorders like ADHD, a malaise, depression, fibromyalgia, and things like this. So we did a little study where we gave someone uh, who was dominant at about seven or eight cycles per second, which is very slow. That would also be de- getting into dementia as well, uh, real cognitive issues. And we gave them the same frequency that they shouldn't have because they already are excess of this dysfunctional frequency. And then we gave that to them for half an hour. And then a little later on, we brain mapped them. And their whole brain was now running fine. But not because of the frequency we gave them, it was because we drove up cerebral blood flow. And if you drive up cerebral blood flow, those bad, slow frequencies disappear. So that was a fascinating discovery. And then we took people who had a very, very, again, anxious brains, no, very low alpha, but not concussion low alpha, but low alpha, high beta from anxiety. Um, and uh, we thought, well, what if we give them a high frequency like beta, which we should not give them because they're already making too much beta, but will overwhelm them so significantly with stimulation that they can't think and have all these negative thoughts. So we tried it with some people, and we just hit them hard with a high-frequency stimulation, and all that noise in their brainwaves settled right down into beautiful, nice brainwaves that were not agitated anymore, just nice, calm brainwaves. And we're like, okay, didn't expect that to happen. So a few anomalies in, the, uh, in all the theories of how entrainment works. So then we thought, well, we're not getting good results with alpha, with these uh, concussion people with the diffuse axonal interruptions, is what I call them. What if we gave them a lot of stimulation, uh, like we've seen in a little bit of these needle electrode and ultrasonic uh, studies, and we'll just really hit them hard with a beta, what I call SMR beta. Now, SMR is the sensory motor rhythm in the brain, and in those frequencies are 12 to 15 cycles per second, so we're flashing the lights and tones on one side, on the left side of the lights and the headphone at 12 to 15. And on the right side, we're hitting them with uh, 19 to 21 in the beta side. And they're getting a whole hodgepodge of blended uh, complex stimulation. And so uh, we did this. And, and I'm, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, running an EEG live on their whole head to see what's going on. And I'm watching them. Of course, they're making all this agitated brain waves like they've been making for years since their injury. And then suddenly, I see an alpha spindle pop up. And then another alpha spindle. And then a couple more brain regions start to spindle as well in alpha. And then more, and then more, and then more. And then I see more and more of the brain making alpha and making a lot more alpha. And then you see them suddenly relax. Their breathing gets really diaphragmatic and slow. Their, the tension in their face and their muscles just drops. Their head falls to the side. And then they start making delta waves because they fall asleep. And now how many people will fall asleep in a room 
with a big cap on their head, a bunch of lights flashing in their eyes, and a bald old guy staring at them. I mean, that's, that's not a normal thing to do. But it happens. And they fall into a deep sleep. And, and then you see them mixing. You see some big delta waves from sleep, then you see a bunch of alpha spindles, and then delta, and then alpha, then delta, and then alpha. As they kind of go in between these states, between the machine driving them and them in being in natural sleep. And, uh, and even when the session ends, uh, most of them are just lay there for another half an hour before they wake up. So I monitor all of that on the EEG. And, and then when, the, when they finally do wake up, I take the gear off their heads. I go, wow, my head is clear. I can think. The bag is off. Um, and then that night they typically sleep 10 to 12 hours. Uh, and uh, that's one of the amazing things. Now, if I think they've got depression, I will give them an alpha-beta blend instead of an SMR-beta blend because that helps with depression better. And the case of the anorexic, uh, she was showing uh, some mild depression as well. Um, I also rate them because it's one thing to treat the brain, but you also have to treat them the mind as well. So they fill out an index called uh, an SCL 90R, which is a symptom checklist of 90 questions. 50 is nor is normal for the average population. <clears throat> 60 is what they call one standard deviation difference. When people start reporting, and it measures depression, anxiety, uh, OCD, like obsessive compulsiveness, somatization, uh, suicidal uh, tendencies, and a bunch, it, there's eight different measures on it. Uh, well, if you start getting in uh, the 65, 70 range, you're considered to be having clinical psychological problems. Well, these people, of course, are typically scoring 90, 100, and sometimes much higher than that, sometimes in the 190 range. I mean, they're in rough shape. And if I have them fill out that measure later, like it takes this process is about a four-hour process. So they fill out the forms in the morning when they first come in. Then I ask them a bunch of questions, and then we put the gear on. Then we map them. Then we stimulate them. Then we and we mapping them while we're stimulating them for. And then if they're sleeping for another half an hour, we continue to map them. And then we'll talk some more, get the gear off the head, and have them fill out the forms again. Well, sometimes in that between the first time they fill out the form and, and four hours later when they do it again, they will have gone from 100 down to 30. And I will say, do you know what you, what you wrote down earlier, just four hours ago? They go, I have a feeling it was worse. They go, look. They go, wow. I had no idea. I, I, I knew I felt a lot better, but, didn't, but when they see it quantified on a page of paper, they realize just how much they've changed. And then I do a follow-up two or three weeks later, and generally and they take the gear home, of course, and they use the gear every day at home. Some use the audiovisual mostly in the morning. Some use it morning and night to get to sleep. Uh, and there's a building effect, of course, and they get better, they're getting better and better daily. Uh, and then in three weeks, two to three weeks, they'll come in and they'll fill up that form, and they're scoring now usually a 10 or a 15, which is much better than normal society would indicate. And... Uh, and after about a month, they may start using the gear only a few times a week because their brain has stabilized to such a degree that um, they just need it for some maintenance when they're having rough days. And, um, and they can use it all at home. It's free after they buy the gear, which is only about, depending on the severity, it's three to $600. And, uh, and I say, and it's free after that. Because a lot of these people have financial issues. 
they can't keep going in to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist or someone, uh, even if they have any funding at all. You know, they they, just, they can't afford to keep shelling out a hundred well, and fifty dollars. And I think I think too, Dave, is that a lot of people don't want to keep going in because they go in and they get no result. Um, you know, so they go in to see a, a psychologist and well-meaning and well-intentioned folks that don't mean to be disrespectful in any regard at all. <clears throat> but if a person's brain is actually having dysfunction, it's like you can't be, you can't drive a car without fixing the engine of it and expect the car to operate. So the, so the big thing I think for people is, you know, when you're going, um, my life is kind of a big train wreck and I'm spending, it's people who are dealing with this kind of stuff and I've got family members who have been dealing with this kind of stuff um, over the years and I'm sure many other listeners do as well is that when you're spending money on drugs and alcohol because you're not sleeping and you have all these other spiraling out effects your families are falling apart, you're not able to parent. So um, the difference between somebody who is has a trauma when they're young and at 18 years old sees you and gets some help versus when they're 30 and they've already raised their kids and their life is an absolute um, train wreck, a six to $800 investment in, in actually getting their life on track is, is absolutely priceless. And so just as we go into the break, uh, when we when we come back on the other side, I just want to get into more um, just talking about some of the examples of how this has actually helped people in their day-to-day life that you've seen experientially. Uh, and 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 we'll just talk more uh, on the other side of Master Your Life. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit ReallifeTraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, 
Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah, that's L-E-A-H-A, at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. Uh, I'm host Leah Mattinson, joined by my co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin, and our wonderful guest, Dave Seaver. And before the break, we were talking about uh, Dave's light and sound therapy and also brain mapping and just the actual um, day-to-day practical applications of this technology and how it is an absolute life change for the people who have been able to uh, um, use the technology over the years. So, Dave, just picking up from kind of where we left off, what would be the next most important things you'd want our audience to know about? Well, first of all, the comments you made, Leah, about uh, psychiatry and psychology uh, are, are the most critical comments anyone could make. Every single medical profession monitors and measures and observes the organ of treatment. Psychology and psychiatry almost never do. They just throw darts mm-hmm. and hope something sticks because they're not looking at what they're doing, so they guess. Um, and fortunately, more and more of psychology and psychiatry are getting into various forms of brain mapping. For instance, uh, instance Amen Clinics are doing absolutely incredible, phenomenal work on all kinds of people doing SPECT imaging uh, and, oh, man, they're changing people's lives dramatically. Uh, but quanti- EEGs and QE, what we call quantitative EEGs, which I do, are, are, have very profound results as well. For instance, how do we know the difference between someone who's anorexic because maybe they've got an anorexic condition that's unique on its own versus one that became anorexic because of a, a head injury? Or an alcoholic who maybe is an alcoholic because he's uh, had all kinds of traumas in his life or he's an alcoholic because he had a concussion. Those are very different situations. And you have to do a brain map to, to uh, parse those apart. Uh, so meanwhile, uh, yes, brain monitoring is key, and, and well-intentioned people in both psychiatry and psychology miss this all the time and, and just do guesswork. And often, uh, if the drugs work at all anyway, which a lot don't, they don't even know what a drug to apply. And certain drugs, as we're seeing with, hip, with brain imaging, are better for certain types of brain images. And, uh, and that's sometimes the biggest factor is knowing which drug to apply. Some drugs you should never apply to certain forms of depression. Um, again, most of psychology and psychiatry would say there's one form of depression, but brain imaging shows there's at least four. Uh, Amen clinics have identified seven types of ADHD and ADD. Uh, anxiety has different types. There's even signatures for people who are likely to uh, kill others. There's a signature that shows up people who are, who are likely to, you know, to do, uh, do, what's the word, to act out in violence. And those signatures are known. And if we can get these signatures in people before they commit an act and, and, and commit homicides and stuff like this, we can help treat them before they do that. But meanwhile, I'll get back to sort of the main topic. And uh, <clears throat> uh, let's look at the correlation between, uh, again, what I call diffuse axonal interruptions. I don't like calling them injuries because they don't show up on an MRI, so they're really not an injury. They're just an interruption in the loop, which we can kickstart with audiovisual uh, stimulation. And uh, when we do, the whole brain starts to rerun again. 
And like I mentioned, too, a lot of these people are very financially strapped because they've been uh, struggling uh, cognitively and emotionally for sometimes decades. And it's, it's just very difficult to perform and, and function well. And so it's good to have a, a, a treatment program that is very affordable, which this is. But now we're going to get back to the similarities between Alzheimer's and concussion. As we know, people with concussions or, or even fever-induced concussion-type signatures don't make alpha waves. They have very poor sleep. Well, quite recently, in the, within the last couple of years, there's been a, a there's been a discovery made in the brain, and they have discovered that the brain has its own lymphatic system. In the past, it was felt that uh, that uh, debris or, or the waste products of neurons firing was just sort of flushed out in the bloodstream. But it's been recently discovered that, no, it indeed has its own lymph system, but it's mediated by glial cells. Now, glia is a Greek, is a Latin word for glue, and, and the glia are all the other cells in the brain that are kind of the glue that hold the neurons together, and they support the neurons with nutrition. They take away their waste products so that neurons can do their job. Well, this new term has been called the glymphatic system because it's the glia that they have discovered that removes all these protein, these waste proteins that are basically they're toxic. Uh, no, they're the waste products. They're the basically neuronal poo, and they have to be removed. But what they found is that they are primarily, almost entirely removed when we sleep. And if we don't sleep, they don't get removed, and they build up. All these protein deposits build up in the brain, and that's what ends up leading to uh, chronic um, traumatic encephalitis, which a lot of head-injured, uh, particularly head-injured hockey players and football uh, players get when they've had multiple mm-hmm. head injuries. Their sleep falls apart, and they develop uh, chronic uh, sorry, uh, encephalitis, uh, traumatic, sorry, chronic tra- traumatic encephalitis, and they build up all these protein plaques that look identical to Alzheimer's. Well, let's look at the Alzheimer's side. Why do we people get Alzheimer's? Well, studies are showing that m- almost everyone who develops Alzheimer's have had a sleep disorder, usually for 10 years and even longer. And these proteins slowly build up over time, and they slowly manifest into Alzheimer's. Uh, and if you take a look at a spec image on the aimandclinics.com site, you'll see the brain is just chopped, full of basically holes. Uh, it's a real mess with Alzheimer's and with also uh, multiple head injuries. So there's a sleep connection that ties into all of this. And these people also are, you know, they're, they're not making proper alpha waves and so on. But recently a group uh, out of California, <clears throat> they had Alzheimer's mice. And this just was just released in December this year. And another thing that happens is that when these, all these Alzheimer's, believe it or not, mice have very similar brain waves to humans. So do dogs and most mammals, but uh, mice very close. And a lot of the research hasn't really been done on humans yet because they're looking at gamma waves, which are in the 40 hertz range. And most EEG systems never really looked at 40 hertz in the past. So this is a, they're looking at faster frequencies now as this research emerges. And they found in the mice they weren't making gamma waves. 
And gamma waves are kind of the precursor brainwave to all of our other brainwaves in many ways. And they thought, well, what if we pick these mice? And they, by the way, they had a little mouse MRI, and they could look at the brainwaves, they could see all these beta amyloid plaques that Alzheimer's patients have, and they could see it in the mouse brains. So they, and they were also lacking gamma waves. So they put them in a box, and they flashed the light at 40 flashes per second for one hour. And then I think it was four hours later, they put the mice back in the little MRI, and they analyzed their brains, and their amyloid plaques were down 60%. Because wow. they activated microglia, and microglia are the housekeepers that clean up all the garbage in the brain. And then when they looked at microglia, their diameters, because these are little cells, well, they were fatter. They were 167% fatter because they were chomping up all, the pro, all these amyloid deposits. So this is really fascinating because not only can we treat concussion with lights, before they develop the amyloid deposits, but if they're even late and they're already really sliding down into bad destruction, you know, with, with chronic traumatic encephalitis like Alzheimer's, this looks really hopeful that we can use probably the 40 hertz frequency and clear out those amyloid deposits and get them back into functioning, uh, just like an Alzheimer's person. Now, the human studies haven't been done on this yet at 40 hertz. It's just been the... Um, the, the mouse studies. But we do know that when we did SMR beta, in, in this, we had, we had a study of two seniors' homes in Seattle that Tom Budzinski and Leslie Sherlin were, were conducting. And one of the patients in, that, in this group of seniors had rapidly progressing Alzheimer's. She went from completely normal to severe dementia in six months, which is severely fast. And they put him on our, a kind of an SMR beta protocol that Tom Budzinski had designed. And they, and they were doing a lot of, of course, brain mapping, EEGs and quantitative EEGs, and they found that the progression of her Alzheimer's stopped from the very first time she used audiovisual entrainment. And over the eight, ten weeks or so of the study, she actually got better in her temporal lobes to some degree, and her, and her actual Alzheimer's was reduced. If we had mixed it with gamma, would it have been better? This we don't know. These studies need to be done. I'll be presenting all of this research at the AAPB conference in Chicago. That's the Association of Applied Psychophysiology and Biofeedback. That's a big word. And they're having their annual mm -hmm. conference and up um, in Chicago. I'll be presenting that on, uh, I think, Friday. Is it, is it March 17th? I think that's uh, the Friday. Uh, all, this, all this connection between concussions, Alzheimer's, and using audiovisual entrainment to treat it. Yeah, March 17th, I'll be presenting that, all this research. And I'll say I'll be trying to get this published in a medical journal. Uh, I'm going to shoot for PLOS One, because this needs to get out there. And, yeah. and the frustrating thing that I had is that last year I was at a concussion conference, and they're interviewing all these concussion experts who said, well, you really can't see it. You can't diagnose it because you can't see it because they're using MRIs. And, and they asked a professor of psychology... And they said, if you have a pre-existing condition, would you treat that first before you treat the concussion? And this professor said, yes. And I'm like, oh, my goodness me, wrong answer. First of mm -hmm. all, I said, have you guys ever done an EEG? No, never. 
Well, <laughs> it jumps out like a hot potato. You can't miss it. If you right. do an EEG and you know what you're looking for. And I said, and I've got the research if you're interested. And I said, so many disorders, there's a spectrum of disorders that result from having this diffuse axonal interruption from the concussion or the fever. And if you treat, you have to look at that first, because odds are if you treat the concussion and the head injury, their problems, their other, the spin-off behaviors will just disappear. You can't do that first if they still have a concussion. I sent all right. this research to the whole group, and so far no one has been interested. Right. Dave, Which I'm is disappointing. Yeah, Dave, we're running out of time. I have to say um, that I agree with you. And, and Daniel Amen, who I believe, I don't think I'm misquoting him, says that any psychiatrist or psychologist, but particularly the medical, uh, who are not using brain investigations and looking at the brain, are doing their clients a disservice. I have absolutely. to say, absolutely, they're doing them harm. I yes. absolutely agree with that. And clearly, one of the messages from your show today is that your technology and the technology you're talking about kickstarts things that have gone offline. And I think a lot of the time the medical profession sees, oh, well, that's dead, it's no longer functioning. What you're saying and the hopeful thing is we can kickstart some of these operations. So that's been an enormous message. In the last few seconds, um, give the listeners uh, where they can find out more about you uh, and this research. Okay, sure, sure. Um, uh, the best thing is to go to mindalive.com and uh, click on that, and then you'll see the research tab at the top. Click on the research tab, and the window opens up. The top listing says research articles by Dave Seaver. And in that, you'll see a whole several articles uh, that I've published over the years. And when you get down towards Article 15, that's about AVE and diffuse axonal concussions, and that's all that is on is in that article. We're not really addressing the Alzheimer's stuff in that article, but I'll be adding that in uh, later on. Um, uh, you can also take training if you want to take my entire course, which covers also cranial retrostimulation and transcranial DC stim and other things. There's a training tab at the top, and I have a course with Saybrook University. It's an online course, and people can also sign up for that course and take it for their own general, uh, their, just own, their own general interest to learn more about the brain and how to treat uh, these disorders. So there you go. Well, Dave, thank you so much for being our guest today. And I just want to say, as we leave, you've been a real uh, blessing to people and in their day-to-day lives that we absolutely know people who... Uh, your uh, technology has changed their life and at a very young age. So I want to just say uh, that to the listening audience, that if you're at all struggling uh, and you can't, you know, kind of get some traction on these day-to-day activities, take the moment to invest the time to uh, go online and look at mindalive.com and really delve into the information there. And if it's too much to read because you do have problems with your brain, give them a call. Um, there are wonderful staff there and everybody is always willing to help uh, you in your journey wherever it is that you are at. So uh, signing off from Master Your Life this week, we hope you've enjoyed the show and we look forward to um, talking to you next week. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go enjoy your successful life.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.